Hello, everybody. You have a pose in the Matrix here. Man, oh, man, look at this. It's the 4th of November already, 2019, marching on to that year of 2020 and whatever that holds for us. Uh, tonight, folks, we do not have Eric with us. He had family commitments. And as we always say at Oppose in the Matrix, the family is more important than the ministry. Actually, your, your family is your first ministry. So uh, if Eric uh, is taking some time off tonight to spend with his kids and his wife and... Uh, and has commitments that are that are going on. So uh, God bless him while he does that, and may he have a wonderful time tonight. But we have Jim here. Hey, Jim. Hey, I'm here. Hey, all right. The gang's all here. Uh, <laughs> the gang for tonight, anyway. Yeah. Um, by the way, folks, before we get started, next uh, Monday night, uh, we're going to have uh, Robert, or as I call him, Bob Britton, on. And Bob is uh, doing a lot of research on the Book of Arantia. And uh, some fantastic research, actually. And he wants to share that with us next week. Uh, he's not going to give everything away because he's writing a book on it. But he'll give us a pretty good idea of what the Book of Arante is about and um, why it's dangerous. And also, he's he should be getting back from Israel if he's not back already. Um, and he wants to share with some stuff that he finds with um, uh, share with us some stuff that he finds at the um, the book uh, where they have the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, the I can't remember the name of it. Oh, how terrible is that? Um, but anyway, Dead Man's Secrets. No, oh, no, I'm, I'm no. sorry. Uh, yep, I'm thinking of something no, else. Sorry. No, I, I don't know. It's 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 a place where they have the scroll. <laughs> That's all I know right now. Uh, there's a, there's a certain name for it, and uh, I'll I'll check it out later. And, and but anyway, uh, so yeah. So he'll be with us next week. Well. Uh, last week we had um, a fellow on and um, uh, Ron Billis. Yeah. B I L O U S. I'm glad I keep those pieces of paper. <laughs> and while, while we're on that, um, you know, first let's say he was talking about the uh, the, the Hindu idea of chakra and uh, how uh, it corresponds with the seven deadly sins. Which I thought was very, very interesting, and um, I'm still looking into that, as a matter of fact. But um, we're going to kind of spin off of that, you know, use that as a platform, uh, a diving board, let's say, and dive into some waters that uh, we need uh, think we we think need to be said. Oh boy, you know, Jim and I were, were talking, and Jim, I'll let you take the helm on this one, but. We, we were talking about short-term memory and uh, how everybody seems to be suffering from it. Um, just last week, we uh, we lost a book here that that's that's key to uh, to education. And uh, I mean, we turned this house upside down, right side up, sideways, backwards, turned it upside down to see what, what else fell down, you know. And and we couldn't find that book. And then. Uh, you know, so you know, we had to trace our steps back, which we we thought we did several times, and and finally, um, you know, I said, let's check that easy chair one more time, you know, and I put my hand on the side easy chair, and I went, oh, that's just a piece of wood, and I went, wait a minute, that wood's moving, and I said, that's not a piece of wood, and then I felt the pages, and I went, oh my goodness, there it is, we've torn the whole house apart, and it was right there the whole time, <laughs> so yeah, so it just goes to show you, folks, if if you are experiencing short-term memory loss and stuff. There are reasons why. And Jim, why don't you let us know why? I, I know, but let everybody else know. Well, you know, 
we are at the last of the last days. We really are, guys. I'm, I'm not kidding you. And because we are, the enemy is throwing everything he can at us. He knows what his tricks are right now and what he's about to spring on the rest of the world. He is going to try to beat us down and keep us diverted, keep us foggy-minded, keep us messed up from being able to cognitively be aware of everything that's going around us. So you consider everything from Monsanto Foods to the chemtrails to um, every aspect of our life, even through man-made doctrine infiltration. They have infiltrated every aspect of our society. And right now, Satan is throwing everything at us. So all these things are ultimately affecting our mind, our short-term memory. We're all losing a sense of short-term memory loss. Whether you're young, whether you're an old guy like me, where, where in my case, everybody is, well, 68, okay, well, you know, it's part of, you know, he's probably been introduced to whether it be paint fumes, welling fumes all of his life, so it's all catched up and that's what it is. Well, no, it, it's, this is an attack on all of us, and especially those, I think, that are closest to the truth. So there's just been chaos in your lives. And it's because these are a culmination of all these things that to someone in the world, they're going to think, oh, this guy is really a major Fruit Loop. I mean, he's talking about all these crazy. Yeah, but that's the stark reality. That's the real reality of what we're faced with. We are in the last of last days, and the enemy knows what to do to get us disoriented and confused. And so there's a way to unwind all of that. Mm -hmm. And with my short-term memory loss, the same thing. I, you know, there's so many things that, that I cannot remember. I'll go from one room to the next and go, why did I go in here? <laughs> I mean, that's scary. Yeah. Why did I even come in here? And I'm, and so I backtrack my steps and then I say, okay, Lord, I don't know. You do. Please restore this to me. Help me have the patience to wait on you. I need to know. And then almost after I pray, like, boom, it, it, it just comes to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, other things, a little more difficult. Sometimes, Lord, I put some of this in a special place, and it's so special, I can't even remember where that place is now. You know where it is. I really need this, so please help me find it. And so I just got to remain patient. And every time, God has been faithful. And when I needed it the most, I find it. And I go, oh, my gosh. And, and the circumstances, just like you with, with uh, you know, with the book that was, I mean, it was just right there under your nose all the time. Mm -hmm. So many times the same thing has happened. It's right there. And I didn't even, you know, I, I all of a sudden I'll just, hey, you know, I, I got I to gotta clean this thing out here. I haven't done it for a while. So I go over and clean. And then I find everything that I had put there as a special place that I forgot that it was a special place where I need it. And so all of a sudden. I find three essential things that I really needed, and they're there. But you know what? I needed the most at that very moment. Had I found it sooner, it just he's able to work all things together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So, I mean, we have all the promises in the scriptures, and we got to depend more on that now than any time before. That's right. And this is only the way, the only way we're going to unwind everything. Don't get frustrated at yourself thinking, oh, my gosh, what did I do wrong? How come this is happening to me? No, it's happening to all of us. Let's fight it for what it is, spiritual warfare. Let's let God unwind it. Only he can do it. But we have to be patient. We have to be methodical. Don't leave right. any stone unturned. And 
and be patient and wait on the Lord that, you know, he's going to let us know when we need to know it. Um, we rest on that. And all of a sudden we have that peace that passes all understanding and we just wait on him. Mm-hmm. And right. it works. It works, guys. It really does. But we have to be thorough in in our expectations and uh, our patience to wait. Right. You know, Jim, uh, one of the things that I've I've recognized is that. Um, uh, I'm sorry, something just threw me off track. Um, when I was down in Mexico City back in 2008, um, that place is gigantic. Okay, it is one of the most gigantic cities. It makes it makes New York City compa- pale in comparison to the Oh, yikes, really? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you see one set of skyscrapers, oh, there's a city, and then, you know, you look from the airplane wing, and you, you know, maybe five miles away, there's another set of skyscrapers, and, and the whole nine yards. Well, anyway, um, a lot of interesting things happened down there <laughs> I will go into tonight, but... Um, one of the things I noticed driving around there, there were no big, ugly cell towers uh, in Mexico City. And I found out later on that what they do is they just have these small little units that they put maybe on a skyscraper, maybe up on the 20th floor, you know, uh, that has some easy access. And, and, and they, get a, they get fine reception in Mexico City without all the big, ugly towers. So it's got to make you ask, what are the big, ugly towers for? And I don't really... They may be for for cell reception. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, going to say no. They're all evil. But I got a feeling that there's there's other things that they're used for. Hey, Eric's here. Yeah, one of those things I think is that okay, it it doesn't take a rocket science. Okay, so they're they're spraying the skies with aluminum and barium and and there's another metal I can't remember right now, and uh, is it strontium or something like that. And um, so we're breathing that stuff in. Well, that stuff goes into your lungs, and then it goes your lungs accepted into the capillaries, and the and the um, the blood can carry it to the brain. Okay. So what do you need for a, for an antenna in order uh, to make an antenna? Uh, those of you who had, did grow up when Jim and I did, uh, a lot of us had rabbit ears on our we we call them on our um, television set. And if you had a father that really wanted to watch something and you were a kid, he'd have you go over and turn the rabbit ears just a certain way. And then he realized that if you held on to the rabbit ears, you got better reception. So you had to stand there for a half hour while his show was going so that he could have good reception on the television. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, um, I digress. So uh, so you need metal in order to have a good antenna. So if you're if you got aluminum going to your brain, and other metals, uh, mercury, and when mercury acts with aluminum, weird things happen. But um, so, in effect, it, it's not impossible to come up to the conclusion that a lot of us have uh, a lot of aluminum in our brains, and, and it can be used as an antenna. And what better way to do it than have all these stupid little towers running around or sitting around all over the place? And and I, there was a, something that happened, and I wrote an article on it. It's it's, it's on my website somewhere, but. From time to time, I would go to visit my sister in a little town called Vacaville, and I would have to drive down Interstate um, Interstate 80 um, and across the Sacramento River, and there's this big kind of imposing bridge that goes across it. I mean, it goes up real high and then down real fast. And uh, so every time, you know, you cross it, you you know, I don't like bridges. I never have, and I probably never will. Um, anyway, there was two or three times when I was coming back, that I would reach a certain part of that bridge where all of a sudden it was like I was having a stroke. Um, 
it was it was like my brain was going to shut off and i was really starting to get scared i was like oh my goodness here it comes again you know and and so i, I what i did is i looked uh, a few years later and noticed that uh there there are a couple of very um imposing uh communication towers uh on each side of the bridge and i'm like i'll be darned you know maybe they maybe they were using that to try to shut me off so i'd you know crash on the bridge or whatever you know, I don't discount anything anymore seeing all the things that are going on, you know, that are happening to you and other others, you know. And um, but I I can't help but think that, you know, that that in part is being used to, to shut our memories off, too, or to get us onto other thoughts that maybe we shouldn't have and things like that. And I'm not trying to blame it all because I know that we're, we still live in this flesh and that this flesh is subject to uh, temptations and things like that. So, you know, I don't I don't say everything's the devil. I know there's some some Christians that I knew years ago that, you know, uh, they stubbed their toe. Oh, the devil made me stub my toe. No, you were just walking kind of clumsily and you walked into the refrigerator. You know, the devil didn't put the you know, refrigerator in your way or move it so that you hit your foot on it. Well, Dave, um, you know, the technology you're talking about is um, um, the technology from HARP. It's um, Project Bluebeam. Um, where they're trans, where they can actually transmit on, transmit on a wavelength that is what our brain is on a wavelength, but they do it through a carrier wave, which would be, um, you know, that form of broadcasting. Uh, this is what's being done at Heart Plaza and a lot of other places. I mean, this is proven technology. Hey, you know what? I wonder if you can call in. Um, I just did. I, I'm hoping. Eric. Okay, Eric, cool. Are you here? Okay. It says he's calling him. I'm, I'm in. Hey, okay, there he cool. Is. Okay, hey, the whole band's oh, here. Yep, <laughs> sorry, late to the party, but I'm here. Okay, cool, man. Yep, th- thanks for bringing me in, guys. Oh, welcome. Yeah. Welcome to the show. So, nice. So, it, yeah. so the thing is that, that um, the technologies are here. It, it's in place, and this is what we're seeing. But also, um, I don't know whether you're aware of this or not, that the military has on these, where you see these clusters especially, they have a... Uh, uh, somehow some kind of GPS location through these things where they can go from coast to coast, west coast, east coast. Uh-huh. They are able to instantly communicate with these clusters that have almost a built-in Faraday cage process. They're not affected by um, EM impulses or anything and immediately can transmit from east to west coast simultaneously within instance. I mean, it's new technology, but it's there. It's provable. Um, and it's real. It's not sci-fi. This is real technology that we have. And so it's a special military band where um, in cases of emergency or any impulses or anything, they have an immediate communication through the entire system through this military work. And it is in those kind of cluster things that you look at that we only have in America. Mm-hmm. There's another, another thing going on. All the road construction that's going on all over America, everywhere. I don't care what city you live in or, uh, you know, in Podunk, whatever. I mean, I know everybody's, where you're going with this. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, okay, I have worked in construction, um, and I know what re-rod enforcement things are because we've I've, I've done a lot of that kind of work, even doing some of the own rod busting. Um, what some people are saying looked at first like re-rod reinforcement in the construction of, of redoing a lot of the surfacing of, of uh, um, the highways, mm-hmm. 
It's taken months. It I is. Mean, five to eight months. Come on. How long does it take to come on? What are you doing? You know what they're doing? Those aren't re-rod. They are electronic Faraday cage based technology. They are a network of screens that are actually producing an EM pulse mm-hmm. that is instantaneous. Almost like switch on, switch off. Yeah. Here's why. If the cops are in pursuit of somebody and they got all these cameras located exactly where this person is at the time, they can switch on an EM pulse, boom, and it deads that car right, right there and then instantly off again. So yeah. it has no effect to anyone else. Yeah. It'll just blow all the circuitry in that one car. This is what's being put in. Now, okay, we know that, that Trump is, you know, and we're all supporters of Trump. We know that Trump cannot change everything all at one time. This is being set up for a time and a day when the pendulum is going to swing one way extreme, which is good for us in the first half of a tribulation period. The second half, not so good. You know what? He can't undo everything or the whole infrastructure of America would collapse. So a little bit at a time. But you know, the thing is, these things are going to happen. You're not going to prevent it, but at least for a time, we are going to get victory over it to do what needs to be done. Uh, in righteousness sake. But then at the end of the time, the last three and a half years, not going to be so much fun. This is where this technology is going to ultimately be used against us. So well, that, and, that and 5G, I, I don't know. Yes, yes, go ahead. Yeah, in fact, our city is actually uh, becoming a poster child for actually putting 5G technology in our city. But honestly, it's the ultimate uh, mechanism for a surveillance type state, Absolutely. right? Yeah, technology. go ahead. Tell us more. Tell. I mean, you're the guy that's. Well, that's that's that's. I you know I don't know any more than that, but uh, just you know, just for example, 5G uh, allows you to have. They just tested it um, out in the wild. Uh, one gigabit download speeds, which is like ten times that of 4G. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, 4G is more than good enough for. Uh, streaming video content, but with with you know, with this type of technology, you can have full H, HD type um, video content and capturing uh, very good quality anywhere you want. The flip side around it is that you you need a lot more of the antennas because the, the range isn't as good. And the other thing that people are very very concerned about is the radiation that comes off of these things. It's much mm. more intense. They've noticed um, that. You know, birds and stuff around that. If they get too close, um, that there's you know, there's birds that die and things of that nature. So there's, you know, a cancer potential uh, with this technology. To be honest with you, that's true. And you know, I I was just remarking to my wife today. I have never seen a year in my lifetime where I knew so many people or knew of so many people that died of cancer. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's really it's really hard. Yeah, I've got a sister-in-law that's you know has cancer, and then you know my wife's been talking about you know friends that she knows that they have cancer. Even young people now, you know, a guy that's not even 30 years old has you know testicular cancer. You know, it's just it's just ridiculous. You know, right. but we all we all know that um, because of the radiation um, with Fukushima and the yep. irradiated water and the you know the pollution that flows over the jet stream that comes down onto the United States, that's that's part of the issue and part of what's affecting the world and why cancer rates are going up and they're going up in younger younger people as well. So yep. not just older exactly. people. Exactly. You know, I've had four people, four dear friends of mine die within just the last few months 
of cancer. Now, are um, they all in the same, you know, roughly the age range of where you're at, Jim? The, yeah, because they were my personal friends that I've known for years. Yeah, yeah they, they were roughly within, you know, within my age range. However, in the ministry that I'm involved in at uh, Peacemakers, um, Pastor Pastor Steve is, has actually, he had to take off and go a weekend just to fast and pray and seek the Lord. He was devastated by so many. I mean, he was doing two and three funerals a week. Right. From anywhere from 20 years old to my age or older. But, and some of those would almost be to be expected, but 20, 35 years old, yeah. all dying of cancer. Yep, it's, and it's sad. It's, it is a, it's an epidemic. And, you know, when you look at, when you look at all the dots that can be connected to this, I, I, one of my videos, I've got a transparency of all the, the harp locations now that are on the earth. Uh-huh. And I got a transparency of all of the animal deaths that have happened, you know, in certain oh, like areas. I mean, where, stuff like that. Yes, Whales, the birds stuff, and the yeah. fish and different things. But here's the thing. It's only specific species that die uh-huh. when we were in roswell I, I dave i don't know if you were there at the time when all the trout died huh. all the trout in all the little ponds and you know i mean in the middle of the desert there isn't a whole lot of bodies of water but the little bit of bodies of water that were there all the trout died everything else was fine they're swimming around just having a good time but all the trout died and this is consistent with everything what is that telling us that they're developing developing a weaponization of of they can waves. Go after genomes. They can go after specific species, and only yeah. they die. And when you look at the transparencies of uh, in relationship to where the heart facilities are and where these animal and uh, marine life things are dying, this has been experimentation. So that I think they got it right down to the spot now for even an individual with DNA. They yeah. can target an individual so that from, from a satellite, boom, this guy dies of a heart attack. Well, he's he's had heart problems in his life anyway, so no, they can dial well, it right on specific. Well, I know that, you know, especially in the African-American community, they seem to be very much greatly affected by heart attacks more than other racial groups. So right. it wouldn't really surprise me to know that some of that stuff is out there. Um, specifically targeted uh, towards certain groups. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, and that's what we need to be aware of. Now, you know, do you realize that people that are out in the world who are living in the community of the blue pills, they look at us and we're 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 the crazies. Right. Problem is, if you add all of the real, you know, if you do your own research and add the connections and the dots and realize the times that we're in. This is reality. This is what's really happening. We have an enemy that has designed things against us that are beyond space and time even. I mean, you know, we're, we're fighting an enemy that is, is just so far superior, we don't realize the sophistication on the level that they're able to manipulate and do these things. And the people who have thrown in 100% to them. Right. So I'm talking about supernatural beings, but also human beings that have totally bought into their agenda <clears throat> because they're promised, you know, to get a big slice of a piece of the pie or whatever. So <clears throat> as crazy as that sounds, this is our reality. This is what we're stuck into. Now, the good news is they already lost. We just don't know it. 
And mm -hmm. the thing that Christians need to realize, we're putting our trust and faith in Jesus. We already won. And some of us don't realize it. There's no battle going on. There's no arm wrestling going on up in heaven. We win. They lose. We're just studying the effects of losers. But for a while, it will certainly appear like they're winning, just like our political climate in our country today. Um, it's just Looney Tunes. It's crazy how the hypocrisy and the, the craziness that is going on in the world. But God is always, you know, he's so loving and caring. He gives us every opportunity to repent, to have a chance to come to him so that we have a choice. Mm -hmm. We either accept him on his terms or we buy into the ways of the world and you reap what you sow. That's right. It's bottom line. That's right. So just like, um, uh, now I mixed it up. I, I said the wrong name the one time, Hiram. Uh, who was the guy? Why? You know, I do this all the time. I wonder why. It's just oh, funny. Oh, I know who you're thinking of. You're thinking yeah. of the, what happened in Purim. And that would have been uh, yeah. Haman. Thank you. Haman, yes. Right. He's the guy in Turkey. You know, he set up these, uh, um, this hangman's noose thing and everything. And, you know, with the anticipation of killing his enemy. And it ended up being his own self that ended up hanging on the strings of that. So well, it's, it's was much, much his own rope. It was much like uh, a lot of the 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 past presidents they've slowly voted executive power greater power to the presidency to the right. point to where he was going to have absolute power in which to enslave us and come after us yeah. but they screwed up they underestimated <laughs> god and trump ended up getting in so now he's yep. he's going to use the, the very mechanism that they had put in place to destroy us to destroy them yes and the hypocrisy that they're doing now the things they're falsely accusing him of, they have no substance, no tangible evidence to create anything other crazy claims. But unfortunately for them, Trump has all the evidence, all yeah. the, the, the accumulated evidence and history that's real, that can be proven. So the very things that they are trying to do are going to be the very things that call them out for what they've done. Because that's what they're doing. They're, they know what they've done, so they're trying to reverse that action upon him falsely. But he's got the real evidence. They're going to be hung with their own rope. And, and that's God's mercy, too, because, you know, some of these people could repent and God will spare them. Uh -huh. But you know what? I mean, there's a separation of wheat and tares. This is clearly defined in, in the, uh, by Peter um, and right. other scriptures that... You know, there's going to come a time when there's wheat and tares. You separate the two, and there's going to be nothing in between. You're going to reap what you sow. So if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap to the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you're going to reap from the spirit. So the first half of the tribulation period, which means just agitation, what's being agitated? Everything that's founded on man or everything that's founded on God. Mm -hmm. There's going to be clarity. There's going to be no gray shaded areas. You're either on one side or the other side. And you're going to be called out for what your true nature is. So your true nature is going to be exposed. I mean, there's a lot of Christians that think they're Christians. They can speak good Christianese, and they got it, but they've never gotten their heart. It never went beyond an intellectual experience. There's other Christ There's other people that that are Christians that have never been given the depth or the hope to their faith, but they were told that Jesus was the answer. So in spite of their religious doctrines, they have a personal relationship hindered but still have a connection to the spirit and God's spirit is the spirit of error and truth. 
and those things are going to ring out in time. So I'm talking about Greek Orthodox. I'm talking about Catholics. I'm talking about Episcopalians. I'm talking about Congregationalists, people that have never been told that there's a personal God that wants a personal relationship, but they get it because they, their, their faith, their source is in Jesus Christ. No other name given by heaven by which man can be saved. And that's all it takes. Well, it's like what, like Ron said last week. He said he grew up Catholic, and he said he knew he knew God, but he didn't know Jesus. You yeah. Know? And the same thing with the Episcopalian Church. You know, they teach you that there's a God. They teach you that, well, you know, they teach you a little bit about Jesus, but they don't teach you about the the you know you need to be born again part of Jesus that you know that your sins can be washed away. It's all uh you know yeah you come to church every Sunday you be a faithful giver. Um, you 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 learn all of your apostles' creeds and 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 get really good at responsive reading and and know how to use that little kneeling pad that folds down from the back of the pew um, and, and and go through all the movements you know and yeah. you'll be okay you know and it's like no no that's that's no different than what the Pharisees were trying to force on the Jewish people during the time of Jesus. You know, no different whatsoever. And yet they'll 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 sit there and they'll point at the Jews and say, oh, oh, you guys are religious. You don't you know, you do you do works. You don't trust in you don't have grace. You don't trust in, in a God of grace. You you know, and it's like you do the same stupid things, you know, get off your high horse, get off your red horse. Or your black horse, or your pale horse, or whatever. Get <laughs> <laughs> off uh... your seesaw horse, your fake horse, whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is that when, I, I mean, I have, I have dealt with so many New Agers in the New Age movement, you know, going through Gibraltar and, and all that stuff. And so some people would accuse me and have. Um, that, oh, you 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 played around with this new age stuff so much, you're being influenced by it. No, I'm not. But how can you explain to me how born again, spirit filled Christians that come from a full gospel background can get seduced over to end up reading auras and rocks and all kinds of other crap from the new age? Right. How does that happen? How do they defect the full power of God's spirit and they defect over to the new age movement? What is wrong with this picture? You just well, said it, got, the lust for power. <laughs> well, and, you know, and the thing is, or the thirst, the thirst for truth, for the answers. Now, my Bible tells me that in the last days, and in reference is talking about the Antichrist, but I'm referring it, I, I think you can make it a broader picture. It's the spirit of Antichrist, anything that opposes God, but yet looks like the same as God. It says that through flatters, he will just he will seduce many. Mm-hmm. And what's the seduction? You hear, believe what you want to hear and believe. Well, yeah, but it says, but David, ears nope. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. well, uh, and not only that, but not even just necessarily itchy ears, but let's say lazy ears. Mm-hmm. There can be a laziness there where you're not being thorough in in searching, you know, for what you want. Uh, here's the carelessness. Now, here's the other side of that. It says that by through flatteries, he still he shall seduce many, but they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Right. Here's the biggest problem. Do we know God intimately or we just know about him? Mm-hmm. That's the danger. You can be ingenious and and see all kinds of connected dots to a lot of things. 
But do you know him personally? Have you taken the time to get personally involved? Have, are you going to a church that tells you that God is so personal? He can direct your individual life. He wants to you to know him. The hope of glory is Christ within you. Mm-hmm. But do you know about him or do you know him intimately? Right. And, I mean, you know, believe me, being kidnapped by my own Friday night group, you know, who sincerely <laughs> were sincerely wrong. They thought, I mean, it's embarrassing on my part, but I mean, I was working with a lot of people that, that were brilliant in, in intellectually knowing how to connect dots, prophecies, the word and, and, and current events and everything, but they didn't know him personally. Right. They knew about him, but they didn't know him personally. And so they were able to be deceived to the point where they figured my doctrinally I was wrong and had to be delivered from a spirit of Calvinism. I mean, that's insane. That is totally fruit loop crazy. And so, you know, I like to think that I learned from my mistakes. Uh, that's never going to happen again. Uh-huh. I'm going to emphasis this time that you have a relationship with Jesus. You don't just study all this stuff because it's cool and fascinating and intriguing. You better be studying the mind of Christ. You better be learning him and knowing him personally and letting him direct you individually, uniquely in your life and know that he wants that. So when you when you get that part down, then you know your God you can exploit the situation, which means you take advantage of what the enemy's doing and throw it back on him because he's blinded by sin. Sin is blinding. I don't care how smart Satan thinks he is. He is blinded by the fact that the created is never going to surpass the creator uh-huh. because the creator already figured. I mean, no, you know, we're fascinated by, and, and intrigued by Z- Zeitgeist. Uh, what was the name of that one? I remember. Zeitgeist. Uh, yeah, zeitgeist. You know, I mean, they were just devastating all kinds of Christians. I even had pastors call me up and ask me, Jim, what what about this? The Sumerians? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I said, yeah, because you're thinking linear. You can't think linear with the enemy. He's beyond space and time. Got to think in four dimensions. There yeah. you go. You, exactly, Eric. You got to think four dimensional, man. When we're talking, to, you know, because and then we got to we got to default back to the word of God. Chapter, text, and verse, man. The scriptures give us clarity on all this stuff. It says, before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. What does that tell us? That means that God had this all figured out even before he created us. Yeah. He had a plan. Yeah. But the enemy knows how, <laughs> and I'm going to set this up in my uh, little museum here, uh, field and stream. Um, quantum physics has given us a whole new understanding of field and stream. You think, you know, okay, you're going to go hunting, field and stream, right? You know, right. field, you know, for whatever your your prey might be. Well, quantum physics has given us, and the enemy has given us a whole different understanding of what field and stream means. You know, in a quantum physics, we're thinking, okay, we're going to hunt, you know, we're either going to go fishing or we're going to hunting in the field and the stream. Well, you know what? There is a group of people, humans and non-humans, that have gotten together. And they have realized that by manipulating the electromagnetic fields and by using a slipstream of a wormhole, they can go hunting whenever they want, wherever they want, with an emphasis on whenever they want. Right. So that's why we got all kinds of evidence of all kinds of weirdness. How does a triceratops get killed forensically? 
with a 7.62 NATO round. How does that happen? Well, time travel is the only way to explain that one. <laughs> uh. <laughs> or, you know, and here's to, to be totally objective, and this is where methodically thorough, Mount St. Helens taught us that we don't even understand fossilization. Right. Mount St. Helens erupted all of a sudden this ash, lay, you know, gets layers and layers. I remember my, um, my aunt was um, in Yakima, Washington, which is a stone's throw away from the mountain. She oh, yeah. had three foot of ash in her ranch, cattle ranch. Uh-huh. Now, what this did was it created the same effects of what the global flood created, a rapid burial of organic material that, that, that had so much weight on top that it actually prevented the natural decay process. Uh-huh. It trapped everything in, and within 10 years, everything was fossilized. Fossils, just like what we told, were told were hundreds of thousands or billions uh, or millions of years old. Right. What we find out from that is we don't even understand the proper method of fossilization. It happened in 10 years. 10 years is all it took. That's right. And the other thing, uh, we found out that the bigger life bloated and floated up to the surface and plants came up to the surface and all the lower organisms settled on the bottom as silt. And yet sometimes you would find you would find um, a tree that went from what was called a Precambrian period all the way up to the Jurassic period. Yeah. Wow, there's a longevity of life for that that plant. Poly, polystrata fossils, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So I mean, everything we find in the pre, uh, in the the pre-flood fossilization experience is what we find in a modern day situation with a modern day total explanation that just totally negates this billions and billions of years old, you know, uh, uh, process. The other thing that happened is when we all of a sudden cut a T-Rex bone in half, we find soft tissue inside. Mm -hmm. Soft tissue? Seriously? Tell me that thing lived 15 million years ago? I don't think so. Uh It was about 6,500 years ago. And there's soft tissue. What does the soft tissue mean? Oh, you have a complete 100% genetic DNA code for that thing. You can't tell me that there isn't T-Rexes around somewhere. Jurassic Park is not sci-fi. It's reality. Yeah. It's there. And they're doing it because they can. Uh I mean, that's why they launched up CERN. Why are you guys doing this? Oh, because we can. Well, aren't Uh you concerned about what dimension you're bringing? You know, I mean, it's just insanity. It's just the way human nature is. Right. Well, wasn't there something in Jurassic Park? There, the guy that, that was a was he a, a chaos titian or mathematician? Um, they were talking about you know he he had actually posed the question, you know, you guys were so busy trying to figure out whether you could do something, you never stopped to to think whether you should do it to, even to begin with. Yeah, you know, I mean, God may had a good reason why he made certain things extinct. Yep, boundaries and protection for us. Exactly. Doing. Exactly. It's all about that. That's what it is. It's not an act of, of lordship or control over us. It was for our protection. Uh-huh. I, so many times I have, I have had to talk with um, New Agers that, you know, at these different shows and everything that 
that tell me, well, there was no such thing as original sin. We're, we're, we're developing and progressing and evolving. Oh, really? So, okay, so we're in a room right now, and there's about 500 people in this entire building. I said, and I, I this was one specific situation. I said, um, look, look over here. See that guy? He's checking out that other guy's wife because she's wearing a very short, tight skirt, and she's bent over. And you know what she's, you know what he's, and he kind of laughed, and he says, yeah. I said, so think about this. I want you to think about this, seriously. If all of a sudden all of us could read each other's minds, how long do you think it would take until everybody broke out in a riot? And he kind of laughed, but then he all of a sudden he stopped and he goes, and he realized. And I said, yeah, that is a sin nature. That is what we are actually inclined to do. So you don't tell me that we don't have a sin nature because we do. And it was like, you know, all of a sudden he just gave me that deer in a headlight in the middle of the road. Look, he realized what like it or not, dude. Yeah, there's your sin nature and it's real. And then I went further and I said, now. This whole third eye thing that you're all about, because he was, I said, there's a long story about that. And so I got a chance to explain it to him. And like so many things, there is a physics, a physics that's real, like Ron tried to share with us last week. You know, he was comparing the seven deadly sins to the seven points of chakra. Now, you mentioned dying, and I, I liked what he had to say. In his innocence as a new Christian, he said, well, God didn't tell me about the other two, so I don't know about it. Right. Man, is safety. I mean, that is about the wisest thing that he could ever, you know, and a, and a humble thing that he could say. I don't know about that yet, but I do know that the seven line up, uh-huh. and that's what God told me. And so that's the, the, what I wanted to share. So, I mean, um, how the, the seven line up with the chakra points? cannot be denied right there's a reality there i mean man it spoke to me it spoke to you i think it spoke i hopefully to all of our audience there's a correlation there there's a truth there right now just because that truth is sandwiched between a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion doesn't negate everything as christians we want to be like in planet of the apes professor zayer the the uh um why do i always orangutan He's sitting there looking at a little doll that's going, mama, mama, you know, and, and, and he's going, no, you know, he's just denying what he's seeing right there. All the evidence is pointing to something different and you're not looking at it. Right. We can't be afraid to look at it. Why are we afraid? Just because we think we can explain how God has done things doesn't mean that we take mastery and control over it, that like we can do the same thing now that we understand it. We can, you know what? That was Satan's mistake. He grabbed a God grabbed a handful of dirt and created everything and said it was good. And Satan grabs a handful of dirt and thinks he's going to do the same thing. And God looks over to him and says, hey, that's my dirt. Get your own. Right. The fact is, he doesn't have his own dirt. So all he can do is bastardize and and tweak Rub. and distort, yeah. corrupt what God has made. And that's all he can do. It's a cheap imitation that is never going to produce what he promises or hopes it will produce. And and that's what we got to always keep in mind with. We're studying the effects of losers who are going to appear to win for a short time only because they're going to be hung by their own ropes. Right. And this, uh, what are we promised? We are promised that 
if we can overcome as Christ overcame, if we are overcomers of this present realm, we are promised to be joint heirs and co-rulers for all of eternity with an all-loving God. Yeah. Now, compared to what an atheist would say, nobody cares. You're just a random creation or panspermia, which actually asks the answer, who's your daddy? Well, the, the atheist would say that um, nobody, because you were just a random selection of a meteor or a comet that, that uh, had a little fairy dust that came down and seeded uh, all the DNA uh, qualities of life, and you just randomly were created. Or the other idea is of panspermia is that it was intelligently designed so that uh, by a version of uh, E.T. Um, home delivery, they sent a package of special seeds that produced something that reflected their own kind and furthered it here on Earth. Right. Or an all-loving God has provided a divine creation for us to be overcomers so that we could be joint heirs and co-rulers with him forever. Uh Um, I like that last part better. I choose number three. I think number three works for me better. I mean, you know, I'm I'm working on little songs that I'm going to put in my museum for, for just, you know, just to have a sense of humor on it. And it's like all three songs are sung to the tune of Jesus Loves Me. And the first one is going to go something like, no one loves me. This I know. Or the scientist priests have told me so. Little gobs of blob and goo. They made me and they made you. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. Nobody loves me. The scientist priest said so. Wow, that's pretty good. Now, Man, that's, other... terrib- that's terrible. <laughs> Thank you. But it explains a lot. It does. Now, it does. Now, the second one, the second one, I'm still working on it. I, 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 I've got to make it more rhyming. But basically, it's um, um, aliens created as so they say. Um, hope they aliens create it so they say if they're good then we'll be like them but if they're bad then we've been had hope yeah. someone loves me hope someone loves me hope someone's loved me we really do not know um, and then the other one Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I'll take number three any day, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to, I don't know if I can get sophisticated enough right away, but as I get the funds, I'm going to get this little amoeba model. And the little amoeba is going to glow to, um, the song as it's being sung in my museum to, to you know, no one loves me. And then another one, a little a seat on a parachute coming with a special delivery from an Amazon.com only as ET, um, kind of an ET version of it. And then, uh, then the other one just, you know, Jesus. Mm-hmm. So hey, I don't know. It's going to be cool. I got a question I got to run by you because I've been mulling it over. Well, I've been listening to you, and um, I think, you know, we were talking about the um, 
the reason why people are defecting over to New Age, and I'll use that word defecting because that's a good word to use, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, and earlier you mentioned a lot of the mainline churches, which rightfully so, and I'm glad you did. And because those are usually the churches that tell you that you always have to do something to appease God and you can lose your salvation. Now, that makes it difficult on a person. It makes it very difficult on them because you, you think, you, first of all, you're not taught about a relationship with, with Christ. That's what you, you know, you mentioned that earlier. So you're, you're constantly working on trying to please a God that you think is unpleasable. Well, your okay. salvation is uncertain then, isn't it? Yeah, so uncertain. And then, so, but then the new age comes along and says, well, first of all, there's no hell. So what are you working so hard for? You know, and it's, and it says, and, and all you got to do is, you know, maybe read a star chart or, or trust in, uh, trust in the fact that your vibratory level is going to change someday or that the aliens are going to come and take you off the earth and rescue you before some kind of cataclysm. And, yum, yum. and don't worry about it. Just live live your hedonistic <laughs> life, you know? Yep. Just yep. Live, live your life, you know, lust after your neighbor, murder your neighbor, break every commandment that there is, you know? And uh, Whoa, whoa, Dave. Whoa, settle down there, pal. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's that's the way a lot it, of them live. They live with abandon, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And... Uh, and then you know, then they end up breaking breaking a, 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 a well a, a, a law here, you know, um, law instituted by the government, and uh, and you get thrown in jail. But um, anyway, so there's a good reason right there why a lot, a lot of people are defecting over to the new age. And you know, we mentioned earlier that the, the want for knowledge and power, you know, but but also the dis- disenfranchisement. I should I say maybe, um, and maybe and it's almost a socialistic gospel that that a lot of people are brought up on. Yes, you know, and yeah. it's it's like, and and it gets even worse because when you it, it turns into a communistic gospel when you become part of the new age because, you know the 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 um, universe is going to do everything for you. You don't have oh, to yeah. do anything. You know. Uh, it'll provide bread for you, it'll provide food for you, just much like the social program, programs in our country my, do for a long time. My God, Dave, I mean, you can't even hear commercials without mentioning that the universe has said this or universe has said that. Um, yeah. Many, many movies. This is just being more and more just, you know, um, just hammered into our psyche that somehow the universe is directing everything. Well, you know, in reference, literally, New Age system, it's the collective consciousness, the, the Akashic record, um, where all sentient life has this cosmic gas up in the heavens somewhere uh, where you can tap into it if you're intuitive enough that you can, you know, the first um, answer to your mind, coming to your mind, is usually the intuition that you have connected to the Akashic record and you've gotten some kind of a um, conscious awareness from the universe. So the universe is telling you how to lead and guide and direct your life. Right. Which, you know, it's like, <laughs> really? Well, you know, according to my scriptures, and this is, again, there is a truth. And I know so many Christians would want to want to crucify me for this. There is a truth that God has set in motion the stars and everything to determine times and seasons. Well, it says in the scripture, it, it can't be that wrong. <laughs> 
Well, and the thing is, so can it be right down to the individual life? Yeah. Yeah, it can. Uh Not even a maybe about it. Yes, it can. But even... I think the big issue is that Satan has hijacked um, the whole concept of the stars in general. Yes. There's there's a revelation that's written in the stars, and it's been um, taken over uh, by Satan. So astrology, obviously, um, being the big one. But, sure. um, but so we don't quite uh, fully understand it at this point. Well, and, and the, here's the thing. Okay, there's a truth there. Can it go right down to the every individual human life? Yes, I think so. And God even addresses that, and he addresses it in the book of Amos. He says, why do you seek Why you seek the maker of the stars and not the maker of the stars? And then when you look in Hebrews, it says that there is one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. One mediator. He's saying, okay, why are you seeking the stars and not the maker of the stars? Okay, there's a truth there. But you know what? I've shut certain things off for your protection. You don't need to know all of this stuff right down to the individual. Seek me. I'm the one that put all this in motion. The universe program is a program that I made. I'm the one that made it. I'm the computer chip. That's just the program. Why are you going to this middleman and letting the middleman direct your life when I'm the processor I'm the one that is the power and the source of everything. I don't want you to go to that. So it could be with angelic visitation. We're not to seek the name and have a personal relationship with our guardian angel. We know we all have guardian angels. But what do the angels, the true angels, say to mankind? Hey, I'm a fellow servant. Don't worship me. Worship worship God. Right. So he they get their eyes off of the individual. So the new age is saying, Oh no, you know, get a personal relationship, get to know your guardian angel. No, one me, what part of one mediator between man and God, don't you understand? It's Jesus Christ. He wants to be the center focal point of everything because he's the one that turns certain things off from you for your own protection. The third eye, man, it's there. You've heard other podcasts that we've had. I've explained that the third eye is a reality. It's there. It triggers off on lower levels our moral righteousness, our, our moral compass of what's right and what's wrong, and causes us to want to take action to to seek justice. But if it's uh, through fluoride, it's calcified, and we don't care that we don't care. Um, if we do artificial forms of DMT, which is this, the chemical that, that is released into our brain for higher activities, if we do it artificially, we're in an act of rebellion. And we're not going to get any answers from God. We're going to get answers from the enemy. Why? Because this is a technology, a physics, a reality, a structure that God has created. We can use it or abuse it. We either believe the word of God or we believe all this crap from the world with a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion and get sidetracked into weirdness. But as a Christian, we need to know the depth of this. We need to understand a better answer so that we can take our spirit-filled, born-again Christians, and because they wake up and realize, oh my gosh, this is real. Well, because it's real, it must be, what, real good? No. You're being seduced because you're not understanding your God. You're not knowing him. So a more enhanced understanding, you have to see that the gun sitting on the table is not inherently evil. One person can see it and see protection. Another person can see it and see death. It depends on how you perceive it. Right. 
But I know that if you read in, <clears throat> in the book of Enoch, first Enoch, not the other ones, first Enoch. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, when God is talking to the, to the actually he's talking to Enoch to, to convey a message to the, to the fallen angels, he says, you know, he says, you've taken all these secrets and you've shared them with the, the daughters of men and with men themselves. And you think you've done a, a, a wonderful thing. He says, but what in effect what you've gotten and given away is garbage. You know, it's not the good yeah. stuff. You've, you've taken garbage and handed garbage away. And it's not going to benefit anybody, not you or the people that you've given it to, you know. So that kind of confirms what you were talking about there about, you know, it's not meant for us to have it and, and another reality or something like that. You know, outside the matrix, maybe before the uh, before the fall of mankind, it might have meant something. But um, sure. But not now, you know, and certainly not now. And so much so that, you know, there's there's chapters upon chapters in Leviticus that talk about not to do these things, you know, and then, and then oh, it's, it's so it's so classic because you'll you'll mention Leviticus and all of a sudden the eyebrow goes up on the person. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the Old Testament. Well, don't you think if God thought it was wrong in the Old Testament that maybe he still thinks it's wrong today, you know? Is there a reason? Maybe maybe those were the things that were practiced before the flood and why he had to destroy the world, because those things were practiced before the flood. I'm talking about necromancy, you know, you know consulting the dead, uh, consulting the stars and everything else. And, and you know, it's, it's not meant for us to have those things, so why even do it? And look at Saul with the Witch of Endor, you know. Obviously, she was able to, to call up spirits. Mm-hmm. And she did call up Saul, and uh, yeah, she was pretty surprised yeah, when he showed up. Out. Yeah, she was freaked out by it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she was getting counterfeits until that day, yep. and then she got the real article, and then she was like, "Oh, you know, I I've really blown it." And then it was revealed to her that it was Saul, and um, and uh, you know, that didn't work out too good for him, did it? No, it didn't. You don't talk to the dead. You talk to, you know, it, it, your creator. You know, in that term, it was, you know, um, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, but still it was essentially Jesus. Right. But uh wasn't revealed to him yet. But he didn't even identify or respect his own God and work within the parameters that he spoke of. And because right. he didn't, you know, it it was the death of him. <laughs> there's, there's consequences for bad actions. Why yep. don't you, hey, Jim. Um, and I don't think you've told Eric this. So why don't you share that story about about uh, losing the check today? Oh my gosh! You know, it, this is where being methodical is so important. And I don't think that most of us even realize exactly what that means to be methodical. I mean, it means it means that we have to really search everything. Now, I'll, I'll use this illustration first. In in um, the word of God. It's like before I even understood Pardis, and Pardis is an acronym for the way that the Jews wrote the Bible, the way they encrypted four different levels of meaning and understanding in the Bible. It's not taught in the West. I think that's the most disgusting thing in the world and probably part of Satan's uh, plan. We have a Roman Greco Hellenistic uh, uh, concept of Christianity, and we don't have the Hebraic understanding the hebrews wrote the bible we need to understand how they wrote it 
and why they wrote it. They go left to right, we go right to left, and that makes a world of confusion for many. But if you're methodical like I was, even before I understood um, the whole idea of, of Pardis, I did not give up looking everywhere. So, I mean, as soon as I found an, an idea or a concept, oh, that confirms, you know, what what I was trying to say. Good. So the end of story. No, I hadn't. I wasn't satisfied with that. I had to look up every word in that scripture to make sure that I had everything accurate with the idea that I could be wrong because I wanted to make sure whether I was right or wrong. So I searched every word. So in Partis, they use a lot of times a um, um, a prepositional phrase, and so they'll use the same word as a noun and a verb to define further define what they're trying to say. And this is a safety measure to verify and clarify to the reader in context what's really going on. Uh, especially in prophetic things. So that rules of, of duplicity and other things, things you actually got to go to Bible college to kind of learn. You can't just read a surface rendering and, and think you can figure it all out. So a certain amount of education, only because we have to play catch up for a dead language, uh, dead acronyms and, and other things. We need to learn history and context and, and everything to play catch up with what the intent of the writers of the time really what we're trying to tell us. So not that I'm trying to divert anything, but this is a complexity that happens. Some things, when it comes to personal deliverance, God had made it so simple that even a child can figure it out. But when it comes to prophetic things, it's a little bit more in depth. Study to show yourself approved under God. That That's what the word clearly says. Um, so we have to dig a little bit deeper and we have to be articulate in our digging. Don't stop. Keep checking everything out to make clarity. And by doing that, so even in my ignorance of before of not doing it, I got all the understanding of somebody that understood Pardis because I didn't stop. I wanted to keep looking until I got every word figured out to make sure that I was right. And by doing that, I captured and caught everything that was being said, where others will just look as far as it confirms what they believe. So that's, hey, I don't have to go any further. That's good, man. See, it proves I'm right. No, you're not. As a matter of fact, I can't even address that to you because you're so far away from the truth. How can I encapsulate 45 years? Actually, no, it's 40, ooh, 40, almost 40, yeah, 40 Longer than I want to think, almost a half a century of work encapsulated in a couple of paragraphs. I can't even begin to do that. It's impossible. So I don't even, you know, forget it. Um, so the thing is that it's a little bit more to study, but if you're methodical in what you're doing and don't, and, and can keep going forward. And your main concern is not being right or wrong, but uh, as you as an individual with your preconceived ideas, but being flexible enough that I could be right or wrong. I need to know what God is saying. I need to know what you're saying, Lord, show me. So he's a participant in your study, and he's going to give you an answer. He's going to give you an answer rightly divided in the word. You're going to have a testimony of that word. It's going to be backed by the logos, the literal word, and the rima, a personal inspiration. And I know, Eric, I mean, this is something that recently you have begun to experience on a whole new level because 
from your background, you never realized that it could be that personally applied to you as an individual. And so right. it's pretty wonderful, you know, what, what God's doing in you. And I think this is what's forcing a lot of um, Armenians, uh, fundamentalists, that are never told that God is so personal, he wants to direct you individually, personally, through his word. So they settle for a generalized um, understanding of, of the word of God. But now we need a personalization of the scriptures to us as individuals. God wants to have us have a personal relationship. So we rely less on intellect and more on the Holy Spirit guiding us through the logos and rima of the word. So if we're methodical about it, we're going to get it. Um, I think that everybody begins to understand, at least those that understand what happened in Genesis 6, that there are two literal seeds. Now all of a sudden there's a seed of God, but there's a seed of the serpent. Right. And we see it in the idea of the Nephilim, whatever, whoever, the hybridization of the human race, part human and part something that's not human. Okay, so the Armenians are finally getting it. Wow, there's two literal seeds. How far does that go? It goes to the full thing of at the end days, there's going to be wheat and there's going to be tares. And my gosh, it even comes down to one of the main themes of Star Trek. Are you a carbon-based life or are you a silicone-based life? A silicone-based life is a computer program. Silicone. Carbon-based is what God created. I mean, you get down to the quantum physics level, and it just it's, it freaks you out. <laughs> field and stream. That's where I was originally going with, with this whole idea, the field and stream. Um, you know, when you're a hunter, you know, you go for either fish or for, you know, land-based animals, field and stream. Well, in quantum physics, it gives a whole new concept of field and stream. All of a sudden, you have an enemy that's able to utilize the electromagnetic field and break it. And by through using a slipstream of a wormhole, they can hunt whoever and whenever they want. So it gives field and stream a whole new concept. Well, you can, so, you can also, Jim, take uh, applicable the um, real-life uh, hunting and fishing um, you could go up to Alaska and go fishing and run across the grizzly bear, and then you're the hunted one. Uh, <laughs> or, you know, here in Oregon, I've heard stories of guys that have gone out deer and elk hunting, and they turn around, and there's a cougar getting ready to pounce on them. You know, thank <laughs> yep. God they, they were able to kill the cougar before it attacks. But, you know, sometimes the hunters become the hunted. Yep. Yep. It can be, and that's where we have to know our place in Christ. Right. And, you know, we're promised, our promise is so far superior to to anything that, that uh, Satan is trying to counterfeit. Um, you know, where we're all the New Agers are letting the universe direct them and guide them. I'm sorry, but my Bible says that there is one mediator between man and God, and that's the man Christ Jesus. If I allow him to lead my life, I, I'm like Neo in the Matrix. None of, none of the things in this life 
is real anyway. Quantum physics has proven, oh my gosh, we're living in a matrix. We're living in a uh, computer program. Who's running the computer program? Gee, is it some kid, you know, pimply faced kid living in mom and dad's basement? No, it's the God of this world, Satan. He's got the computer program. He's leading it. He's deluded. He thinks that by running this computer program, he's going to be able to make this world a realization of what he wants. This is like his mental projection of what he hopes it will be. Quantum physics is based on the idea of of um, of the spoken word as becoming a reality on the canvas of history. And then by the two-slit experiment, which the Lord showed me is like the two trees in the Garden of Eden, you know, one always goes in first, then the other one is a delayed reaction. It goes in second. Now, the first one that goes in is by the God of this world. And as things are spoken and as they're either measured or looked at, it's like a frozen snapshot in time that will become the reality on the canvas that's below that is at the end um and i don't know how good i'm explaining this but with visualizations that i have in my museum i make it really simple so people can actually understand it um but the two trees in the garden of eden the way the lord showed me is the first tree is what satan speaks out to become his reality but there's a, a quantum entanglement. In other words, the first one that goes in is entangled with the second one so that whatever affects the first one will affect the second one. And the second one has the ability or the power as it goes through to rewrite or overwrite the first one. It's called a quantum, yeah. Yeah. a quantum entanglement. Yeah. So what the Lord showed me was, look, Jim, the first one is from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is what Satan speaks out, and that's what he's hoping to make a reality. And as he speaks it or measures it, as he speaks it and measures it or looks at it, this becomes the the snapshot reality written on the canvas. But the delayed one can overwrite that. And that's only that's the only way it is. the The second one will always overwrite it. The second one, Jim, is the tree of life. And as it goes through, anyone who is believing and, and speaking the word of God can overwrite whatever was written before it, and it can wipe it right out and negate it. And whatever that spoken word is, is what can slice and dice and, and uh, make the reality. That is what the power of God's spoken word, spoken in faith, can do. So a doctor tells you, you've got four months to live, you're dying of stage four cancer. But the word of God says, now in a personal application, if you take the time to have that personal relationship, God will let you know, by your stripes, I have healed you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. All things work together for good to them, love God, to them are calling no purpose. I've called you to a certain thing. You know that and you're going to live. So you confess that and you confess it. And that quantum entanglement overwrites everything that was spoken before. And you live. So Neo can fly. He can do all kinds of bend the spoon, do, you know, do whatever he wants. Guess what? He gets to tell the universe what to do. The universe doesn't tell me what to do. You're a stupid middle. You're the middleman. I'm going to cut you out. 
I don't have to listen to you and tell you, you know, be guided by you. As a matter of fact, I can tell you what you cannot, can or cannot do. I am a child of God. I have the authority and as a manifestation of sons of God to limit and restrict you to what you're able to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm going to tell you what you can or can't do. Let me let me ask you a question about that. If you're when you're done, let me know when you're done. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm done. Go ahead. Um, Shoot. I have always, you know, I've prayed for a lot of people for healing in, in my lifetime, and yes, some people get healed, but others don't. And I, I've always been under the assumption that um, God can can use what the enemy throws at us for His glory. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me give you an example. Um, my father back in 1999 went in for what should have been a simple surgery and, uh, it ended up, uh, it culminated in his death and, uh, mm-hmm. that really bothered me. And, and all through the process, I prayed for him, you know, I prayed, you know, Lord, if you got to take things away from me to save him, you know, you, you bargain. And, um, so one day, um, he, he passed away, and then I had some relatives come up to me. Oh, you have an excellent lawsuit. Oh, you should sue. You should sue. And and believe me, I, I did consider it. And then one day when I was praying, I, I heard the Lord tell me, and I, I know it was his voice, and I heard it audibly in my ear. He said, David, don't you think that um, that if... I wanted your dad healed. He would have been healed. And I said, yeah, I've got faith to believe that. And he said, so the fact that I took him home, do you think that maybe that this was his time to come home? And I said, yeah, that's that's a good possibility and makes a lot of sense. And he said, so if you try to sue those doctors that I used, you know, in effect to bring him home, aren't you really suing me? And, boy, I'll tell you right away, I, I called the lawyer up and said, I'm not going through with this, you know, because yeah, I. Good for you, man. It, but, you know, I, I do think that there's sometimes the ultimate healing is is going home. Yep. I yep. absolutely agree. You know, I mean, you know that story I told you before about that young kid. Uh-huh. Um, man. I get choked up every time I even talk about it. It's so awesome. You know, the Lord has me watch all kinds of crap that I don't really necessarily want to do, but I have to in order to stay connected, to understand where the youth are today, where, you know, just even people in general. So, you know, and I do like sci-fi, so I am leaning towards that anyway. But I always look at it through spiritual eyes, through the Lord's eyes. I want to see what he wants to tell me through these things. So I've watched all the DC comic uh, movies, all of the Marvel movies. And thank God I did. Um, this young kid come up to me and he started asking me questions about the aliens, different things. I can see this kid was only like 12 years old, but man, he was well, you know, well informed. I mean, he was a smart kid. He knew a lot of this stuff. And so then finally I, I could see that he was really sad. I said, what's the matter? And he says, well, he says, I just don't understand. He says, my dad was a Christian. He loved the Lord. My mom was a Christian, too, and they both loved the Lord. And he says, I don't understand what, but my dad just died a couple of days ago, and I just don't understand why it had to be. And uh, 
I said, well, you watch, you know, I know you know the different DC and Marvel comics. Have you ever watched The Flash? He says, yeah. I said, remember when The Flash went back in time and tried to and tried to save his parents so they wouldn't be killed? Yeah. Remember what happened when he came back to his own time? He says, yeah, it was a mess. I said, because they were supposed to die at that time. And look what happened when they didn't. It turned everything crazy. I said, you know, in the Bible, the same thing kind of happened. And it, the whole th- reason I think it happened was just to let us beware that of the importance that God has a date and a time for us to die. And he doesn't want that overturned. There was a guy named Hezekiah. And he asked for his life to be extended beyond his days. And so the Lord actually let him have that. But he had a a baby born that should have never been born. And this guy was bad news, Manassas. I mean, he just was bad. Right. And he ended up creating all these ites, Amorites, the Malachites, Amalekites, all these other guys that, I mean, they hated God. They hated his word. They hated his people. These people were just a whole group of people that should never have been and have been literally crazy killers for all of God's people. He said, so Hezekiah was supposed to die and go to be with the Lord. But because he lived longer, look at the mess that happened. I said, and that allowed, God allowed all that to happen to be a lesson for us so we could learn from that, to respect and understand that we all have an appointed time. I said, son, your dad was supposed to go. It was his time. And I I asked him, I said, now you know what it takes. And I said, I don't know where you stand, but... You know, and I and I gave him the gospel according to Marvel Comics, and he wow. totally understood it. And he says, "Well, he says, you know, I know you're right, but I just gotta figure this out for myself." And I said, "You know what? That's right, because it's not by formula; it's by heart." I said, "You know how to do it. You know what to do, and maybe it's just coming back to what you already believed, or maybe it's coming for the first time. I don't know. But God loves you. He started a work in you. He's going to finish it in you. So you just go ahead and, and pray and ask him. He'll You'll be able to figure this out. And uh, the only thing I ask is if you can someday give me a call and let me know how it works out for you. I would love to be able to rejoice with you. So And I let it go. And that is that's what sort of what it is all about. Yeah. And we have to stay in touch and in tune. Our kids have grown up with theosophy. They've grown up with quantum physics. They may not know the names or or the uh, specifics about it, but they know the concepts because they've been taught it through cartoons. They've been taught it through uh, role playing playing games. They've been taught it through. Um, all of the movies and, and everything that's on TV anymore. And now these, the the games are now television shows. I mean, my gosh, they got one for Halo. It's all it is is just shooting randomly massive killing and everything, but it's an offtake of a video game. Uh-huh. And kids, they just is entertaining to them. You know, it's just, it's dehumanizing all of us and getting us to be able to accept a, a lot of concepts that are just so 
blatantly wrong, but they make it so appealing, so right. The theme of Star Trek is to accept these silicone, poor, self-sentient beings, to accept the silicones. Well, you know, God's saying that I've got my seed and Satan has his. His seed will never understand. They're going to live behind the enemy lines for a thousand years in total restored perfection. Never accepting the mark of the beast, never accepting God's Holy Spirit. And at the end, as soon as their father, the devil, is released, the majority of that, those people, after living in total perfection, after seeing everything that points all back to Jesus, living with, with the saints, with the patriarchs, with the apostles, with all the prophets, with everybody, they're going to reject all of it and go to their father, the devil. That's God's way. Of, again. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's a matter of, are you carbon based or are you silicone based? Now, you know, I've had a, a, a great controversy on, um, where's the, where's the turning point? We don't know, especially now with technology where things can be encroached upon people without their permission, man. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> there are people that, you know, injected with, uh, with, Genetic experimentation, um, genetic manipulation, maybe without their permission. I do know one thing. The Bible tells me that whoever takes a real mark of the beast, whatever form or whatever it might be, has to reject the God of the Bible with total knowledge and understanding that they reject what they're rejecting right. and accept this new offer, this fake offer. So if it's stuck upon you, I don't think you got anything to worry about. Right. If you didn't make that decision. So, you know, if you got RH negative blood, if you're, you know, got twins, you, you are from a, um, an ethnic background of, um, you know, a, a Nordic type background. Um, you know, that's the ideal thing. It was the ideal thing in Hitler's death camps, but it was also the ideal thing with the, um, theme of alien abduction. Um, it's still the ongoing process, the same kind of thing. So where the T-shirt that says uh, kill them all, let God sort them out, it's the reverse for us as Christians. Pray for them all, let God sort them out. Right. We don't know who is and who isn't, but we pray for them, believe and hope for them. Uh, so basically myself, I, I believe as a Calvinist and act like an Arminianist because right. both camps have elements of truth but neither have the total truth when they quit arguing and fighting against each other and actually come together and see what they have in unity. We have three dimensions, a spirit, a soul, and a body. God is father, son, Holy ghost. We have a three decker, um, universe. That's, you know, um, uh, the atmosphere of this earth space that we understand. And then outside of time, you know, third dimension, everything's in threes. I don't care whether it's three musketeers, three, you know, Everything is in threes. So there's a consistency that shows that we're clearly in a matrix of math in this artificial world. We're in Pinocchio world. It wants to be real, but it never will be. Well, yeah, it'll be real. The thing is, in the total end of it, it comes to destruction by fire. Why? Because it's a lake of fire. Yep. So the joke's on the devil. You know, this is what you worked for. This is what you uh, did everything same but opposite for. And look what you brought it to. A, a total... <laughs> destroyed by fire this is where people outstanding outside of faith you know they say well wait a minute here that says that uh, the earth will last forever and then this other scripture says that it's going to be destroyed by fire so what's you know there's con no you don't understand this is a parallel altered dimension 
One is the earth that never fell into sin. It was always in conformity to the word of God. It never fell. The other is a parallel of that, and it's a perversion of it. It looks like it's old, but it's not. We're living on a train model. It has no roots. It has no real substance to it. It looks like something old, but it's not really old. It's only 6,500 years old. And it's a fake world. It's a Pinocchio world. It wants to be real, but it will never be real until it becomes a lake of fire. That is the lake of fire. So everything that you've worked for hard in the same but opposite, you're going to get. And the people that that uh, rejected God were because they were not even human. They were they were silicone-based life, part of your computer program. But the people that are gods, God says he's not going to lose any of them. Although he did lose 200 of them, did he? That's, thank God, all that he lost was 200 of them. And Eric. Yes. You're writing a book on that part, aren't you? That is the, <laughs> that is the plan. Just, I am just, I am just going to be on you until you finally get to um, Eric and I, you know, have been working together, but I kind of let him, you know, take off on it. He understood the same concepts. He found far more scriptures than I even found on that same subject and idea. And I just realized that this is his, I guess, calling forte, um, that, uh, needs to be a revelation when God says that there were the sons of God that came into the daughters of men. There's only one sons of God throughout the whole Bible. Yeah. There's no other sons of God. We're thinking outside of time, 200 of them, according to the book of Enoch, and according to Peter, it says that once they have uh, partaken the things to come, to go back and to be re-redeemed, it can't happen. Why? Because in Jude, it says that they are twice dead, plucked up by the roots. In Psalms 83, I think it is, it says that, have I not said you are my children, that you are God's? Yeah, you shall die like men. Who's he addressing? Who are they talking to? They're talking about someone who is redeemed of the Lord as the Son of God. And all of a sudden, they turn their backs on everything and leave their first estate, their position in heaven, and their bodies, a spiritual body, and come back to be flesh and blood to cohabit with the human race. Only 200 of them do that. Everyone that has ever come to understand this has automatically been told by the devil, yeah, and your name is uh, uh, Semyaze, or your name is uh, Azil, or one of the other demonic names that we know of. That's the truth. Yeah, (laughs) really. And the thing is, no. I mean, I sat there in tears going, Lord, you know, after the devil told me that, and I said, no, Lord, make me as if I never existed. Please, I don't want to ever betray you. I bet that just blessed the Lord's heart to no end that I would rather have never existed than to betray him. And I think every saint that has ever come to that conclusion and realized that has been in the same kind of a crazy paradox. And all of us. And then I realized, snapped out of it, you know what? I love God so much, my gosh, that couldn't happen. Uh, You know, but that's what the devil does. And he just, you know, he's such a chump. He's such a blind idiot. I mean, can you imagine going up to God when he's fasting in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights and saying, hey, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. He's insane and crazy. You've got to believe it. Yeah, That's he is. Right. 
sin separate the fellowship and and it drove him nuts i don't care how smart he thinks he is he's always going to come to the wrong conclusions because he just doesn't get it mm-hmm. and he never will and neither will his followers that have followed him and i think that's why the lord allows a thousand years of total restoration see right now we're living behind enemy lines we're going to be the overcomers we are walking in the power and might with all odds against us with everything against us you know we may suffer persecution, but so did Jesus. And so when people say that, oh, well, God wouldn't let that happen to us. Listen, if God allowed himself, his own son, to suffer more than anyone ever existed on this earth, don't you dare think that you are above that. Yeah, we have a, we have a mutual friend that has always toted that, you know, answer, Dave. You remember yeah. way back, I mentioned his name. He says, oh, God wouldn't let that happen to women. Uh, yeah, just open up the scriptures and look. I don't, I, for, from the world, I don't understand why that guy still has an audience to anyone. He ought to be talking to, um, amoebas. Yeah. Well, you know what? If, if that were true, then, then God had, would have a less regard for all the Chinese that are being persecuted today. All the people yep. in the Arab countries or the Muslim countries that are coming to faith and being beheaded and killed. Um, and, you know, to be quite honest, you know, the the Christianity that you and I knew, you know, as, as uh, coming from the Jesus movement back in the uh, 70s, right. is not the Christianity that exists today. Um, no, it's not. I mean, it does it does through certain individuals that have gone through that and. And, and guys like Eric that, that missed that, but later jumped onto the train, you know. But um, it is not the same Christianity. And and to think, you know, because I'll, I'll talk with people about this. Well, he's coming for a perfect bride. And I'm going, yeah, but right now, you know, the perfect bride is a remnant. You know, it's, yep. a, uh, it, it's, a, it's a very, very few people, very few in number. And... Um, Especially, well, especially in this country, and you know, and she's pretty beat up and haggard <laughs> right now, <laughs> you know. Well. <laughs> and her, her dress is torn because she's, you know, there's been a, because I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of the people that are walking in the world right now, who call themselves a Christians, are walking in the world, are part of that bride, but they're, you know, they're, shall we say, less than clean right now, and. And uh, not a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. I know I get argued with that about that a lot, but um, there's going to be a, a, a cleansing process that happens probably pretty soon anyway. That yep. that will you know take that away and, and make the bride pure in this country. Um, and then you know the whole the whole bride will be pure. Um, you know Jesus talked about the body being made up of many members. You know, and I think that uh, you could equate that with uh, the saints in one part of the world that are being persecuted as one part of the body. And, you know, and, and then, but the whole body's not knit together, so to speak, right now. And uh, it will be soon. Uh, I'm, I'm confident of that. But even if it is just the remnant that's living here that, that will be part of that bride, you know, then that's okay because I know that you, me, and Eric and and those that we love are part of that, and um, and there's others coming too. But um, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But um, 
Yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah, because we were saying that, uh, you know, there are people that, how, how dare we say that God would let his people go through that. Well, he never promised us that we wouldn't go through. He promised us we wouldn't go through his wrath. Yep. But he promised, never promised us we wouldn't go through the wrath of uh, people. And if you're a studier of history, you know that uh, Christians have been killed for millennia, for millennia um, right from the beginning in the um, in the Colosseums in Rome. Uh, uh, those who wouldn't convert to Catholicism in the 1400s in Spain, uh, those who wouldn't convert to whatever was pre- predated uh, actual Catholicism before that, um, you know, those who would not convert when when the Muslims rode into their village, you know, all, all throughout Christian Christianity, history of Christianity, people have resisted and 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 lost their life for it, and uh, and I don't see there's a difference why we should be any different than that. I agree, and I don't I don't really know where this idea of sunshine and rainbows always comes from in terms of not being. Um, going through hard times, you know what I mean? Right. I mean, yeah. the one thing I see Trump doing right now is there's a lot of countries that there's genocide of Christians going on. I don't think the church in America totally fully gets it. Right. They just don't. So why are we any more special than our brothers that are dying? Exactly. For Christ. Well, we're living the socialistic model of, of Christianity. You right. Know, there's got, there's got, no... There's really no, how do I say it, in this country right now, there's no consequence uh, for Christianity in general. You know, there's nothing you're willing to, you know, to lose um, that would put you in harm's way for the most part. Right. Not compared to other countries. Like, look, you look at China, what's going on there, those Christian church and those Christians are they're they're persecuted greatly and it's very very interesting to me the more abusive their government is to the Christians the more the gospel actually expands there right and where where you don't have that type of persecution like here in the United States though it is growing um, you know there's a lot of you know dying churches dying Christianity in general um, right. You see that difference. So it's the blood. Uh, let's see. There was a there's a pastor John um, uh, MacArthur MacArthur. I always mix up his last name. Yeah, MacArthur. MacArthur. But he 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 said because he talked about China in general, <clears throat> and he said he says wherever there's um, persecution um, or the blood of the martyrs is where you see the tremendous expansion of the gospel. Yep. Um, it, they're, they cannot be separated. Mm-hmm. And he talks about going into places where they're not persecuted. And, you know, these churches, they spend thousands and thousands of dollars in this effort to expand the gospel and nothing happens. But then you get these places where they're persecuted for it and it, it just can't stop growing. Right. So right. something to think about. And even the simple things like when they had the hurricane down in Houston and that one pastor down there wouldn't open up his church to let people um you know, that were trying to flee from the, the hurricane, wouldn't open up the doors to let them stay there. You know, it's like, yeah, what well, kind we, of Christianity is that, you know? Well, yeah, like, you know, the 
you know, not to get into detail, but a church that I know, um, you know, expanded their building and built a uh, gymnasium, as I would call it, but they call it a activity center because they don't want to call it a gymnasium. And they were going to use it to, uh, for the poor, you know, inner youth or whatever, uh, some of them to go to do things to stay out of trouble. Well, it never happened. <laughs> mm. They kept it locked up as Fort Knox. <laughs> right. you know, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff going on, you know, that's, that's happening everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we're supposed to open up our doors to help people, but we don't. Yeah. Good intentions don't get you into heaven. That's for sure. No, no, but, um, well, we, we seem to think that we're special or something because we, you know, we're, we're sitting on past, uh, history that no longer exists and we've become complacent. We've, uh, unfortunately, many churches think if they throw enough money at a situation, that'll make something happen. And sometimes they're right, it does, but it's doing, other people are doing the work. You're just, maybe you're helping to fund it, and that's a good thing, but you gotta get your hands dirty. It's not yeah. fun working in, in, you know, with, with, uh, the underclass or the homeless or whatever. It's, it's a hard, tough ministry, but yeah. that's where we can't be afraid to get our hands dirty. This is what Jesus did. This is what we're supposed to emulate. Um, and we're not doing it or we're giving false hopes and promises that, you know, that you're poor, you can be rich. Well, yeah, but how are you going to be rich? Right. You know, you can be rich being still poor, but rich in doing things God's way so that, you know, he's got your back and you're going to be safe and you're going to be protected because you're resting on his promises. Yep. You may not get everything you want, but you'll get everything you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that uh, gives you peace that passes all understanding. So, yeah, there's a, a video that came out a few years ago. Was, what's that noise? Oh, I'm sorry. I was oh, it's okay. um, moving something. <laughs> there's a video that came out. Uh, see, it's a two-parter. It's called First Love. And um, it was put out by all the early Christian singers, uh, Chuck Gerard. Uh, I think Melanie Green was there because it was made after he died. But um, Phil Collins, a whole bunch of them. And uh, Chuck Gerard was talking about, I don't know if you're inter- uh, in- familiar with Chuck Gerard, but he was uh, he came out of the hippie movement down in Southern California and was, later became Calvary Chapel. And um, so he... Uh, he had this band, and they all got saved. Uh, the story is quite quite amusing, you know. Um, but uh, so he, he they got invited because they, they started writing Christian songs, and they got invited to a church, and they had never cut their hair or trimmed their beards, you know. So they they had long hair and long beards, and when they moved, walked in, everybody well not everybody but a lot of people looked at them like, oh God, what are you doing here, you know? So they felt kind of strange, and they walked up there anyway. And I guess maybe he said, I think he said about half the people left. And uh, he started playing a song, and I think it was called Welcome Home or something like that. Beautiful song. Um, And he said you could look out there and see the people that stayed, the tears they had in their eyes and everything. And he said he just felt bad for the people that got up and left, but he understood why they got up and left, because they had a preconceived notion of what a Christian should be. You know, mm-hmm. and um, uh, you ever get a chance? Look it up on YouTube. I think it's on YouTube. It's uh, for 
you know, Jim especially, because, you know, we grew up with a lot of those bands. Second chapter of Axe is on there in a whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it just, uh, it, it boggles me sometimes, because I, I attended a church down in, in uh, Sacramento. Um, basically, that was part of Union Gospel Mission. Um, not directly affiliated with it, but the, my, my pastor was a, uh, a chaplain there. And uh, it was neat how they worked because, you know, you didn't, uh, you could eat for free there, but you'd have to work, you know, because the Bible says that if you don't work, you don't eat. So what they considered working was coming to service. You know, how easy is that? Mm, so uh, yeah. anyway, so, uh, I mean, but when you sat there and, and you went to one of their services at the mission, not not necessarily at our church, and you you, you got to see the people come in with looking all disheveled with clothes they probably haven't changed in weeks or months and and some of them had lice in their hair and you know some of them smelled high heaven you know but you know what you overlooked all that stuff because here was a person you know that walks in and is seeking the truth yeah he may be all drugged up right now and he or he may be drunk and and that but he real he he obeyed a rule that if you don't work you don't eat so he 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 is obeying by coming in, and God's going to use that God's going to use that faithfulness, and He's going to honor that and He's going to talk to that man's heart and I don't care if the guy was stoned out of his gourd if the Lord wants to talk to a heart He's going to talk to a heart, Amen. and and you wouldn't believe how many people just would get saved from there they get cleaned up and then start coming to our church and. And every once in a while, you know, he'd have one that would backslide a little bit. You wouldn't see him for a couple of months. And he'd come back. Yeah, I was living under the bridge over there. But, you know, the Lord spoke to me, and now I'm back. And and a lot of people don't realize what what that kind of lifestyle is like. You know, it, it's not – It's a lot of times the Lord has to um, let people become debased several times before they finally get the message. You know, and and that's what would happen. You know, these guys they'd come for a while, they'd they'd backslide and uh, go off the wagon, then they'd come back. But finally, you know, most of the time, finally, most of them would would come back and they'd be doing just fine. But to the normal church, my goodness, if you if those people were to walk into what what many would consider a normal church, let's put it that way, um, you know, they would be spurned. They would, you know, maybe many times the ushers would say, you know. Um, yeah, you can come in, but you have to sit out in the hallway or, or something like that. And what a shame to to see such actions in the church that is supposed to be loving unconditionally. Our our pastor's wife used to walk up to. There's this one lady, and and she did not smell good. I'll, I'll be I'll be honest. And and I was sitting three rows back and about four seats over to the right, and I could still smell her, but. After the service, or, you know, we usually at churches like that, you have a time of greeting after worship. And the pastor's wife just walked right up to her and hugged her, you know, and hugged her hard. <laughs> and and later on, I said, how could you do that? She goes, well, Jesus would have done it if he was here. Why would he you have. do it? Yep. You know? Amen. You're right. And, you know, so, man, I just had so much respect for that lady after that. Because I don't know, I can't personally say that I would have the the nerve to go up there and do that, you know, but she did. And that's all that matters, you know? So what, what we perceive to be the quote unquote normal church 
and what the church that Jesus expects us to be are, are vastly two different things. Now, I'm not speaking for the three of us and a lot of our audience because we know what a real church is all about. But the, the normal Christian out there, you know, uh, would not accept uh, would not accept a lot of the things that the true church accepts, and it's it's to the shame and detriment of the church itself. And um, the only thing that's and we talked about this a few minutes ago, the only thing that cures things like that is when you're all stuck together, let's say in a FEMA camp or something like that, and you're all in the same lot, and you all know that your number's coming up pretty soon then everybody starts getting along. And it doesn't matter what social, economic um, scheme yep. you happen to come from, you know, because you all start to realize, hey, you know, we're all here for Jesus and we're all going to die for Jesus uh, one way or another for the most part. And, um, you know, and then that, all the class warfare, all the all the I'm rich, you're poor, um all that stuff just melts away. And I think that's what happened in, in the Colosseums. The uh, the rich people were, were persecuted just as much as the poor were. And it wasn't because of economic status. It was because they decided, hey, there's something more important, something more intrinsic than the money that I have. It's, it's what my eternal status is going to be and who I really love. Who's your daddy, so to speak? You know? Yep. Right? Yep. Yep. That's what it comes down to, yep. Yep. Well, and unfortunately, you know, we are motivated only by persecution. Yeah. We are yep. so filled with our man-made religion and doctrines and dogmas that um, the only way clear to, to clear all that up is to have a double dose of persecution. And then all of a sudden, none of that stuff really matters anymore. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it always will be. So I'm looking with excitement and anticipation for all the, the crazy stuff that we're going through right now. And I keep telling everybody, just grab a pop a box of popcorn and watch back, you know, just watch the crazy train show. Yeah. These people are, <laughs> they, people are destroying themselves. Trump isn't going to be impeached. Trump isn't going to be, you know, um, you know, none of this stuff is going to happen. Um, they are just setting themselves up for their own fall. Yeah. Um, the next few years is going to be a good time for us. After that, not so much. Right. It's a pendulum. It's swinging one extreme, and it's going to swing back to the other extreme. But uh, through it all, we can have a piece that passes all understanding. Mm-hmm. We got the promises of God, and if we do things his way, he's got our back. We don't need a backup plan. We don't need a contingency plan. He is our contingency plan. He is our back. He has our backs. When we put him in front, He's always got our back. Uh-huh. One, one thing that I learned uh, recently, and I don't want to get too much into the story, but I ran into a fellow that was involved in, um, well, let's just in, let's say he was, they were, he was with a group that was involved with, they were going to administer justice to the dark state <laughs> on their own. <laughs> and he, uh, mm. they probably could have done some damage, but the Lord intervened and he got caught and, um, and when I was talking with him, he said, he says, the one thing I've learned from this, if I've never haven't learned anything else, is you don't step in front of what God wants to do. Yep. Amen. You know? And yep. he said, the other thing is that God, I'm going to let God do the fighting. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> so. Yep. That's just totally you know what I think. Me. Go ahead. What I what I don't think a lot of people understand 
is that Judas Iscariot did not sell God, uh, Jesus out because he didn't like him or didn't, you know, believe him. He thought in his own reasoning he had to force Jesus, his hand, to do what needed to be done, to be right. delivered. Mm-hmm. And so see, because because he was going to help God out in his own reasoning, Satan entered him. When Satan entered him, now all of a sudden he's called the son of perdition. Right. That's that's a name for the Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Satan entered him. Okay, the spirit of Antichrist entered him. Why? Because he entertained that. Because he was going to help God out. God doesn't need our help. Uh He needs us to let him take the lead, and we trust in him. Because he did that, then what happened as soon as Satan left him? After he betrayed him and he saw that it didn't plan out the way he did. Oh, my God. Yeah. I I caused the man I love to die. And then Satan left. And what he's so filled with remorse, he went and killed himself. He couldn't live with the guilt. Yeah. He had a plan. He loved Jesus. He didn't hate Jesus. Yeah. But he wasn't trusting him. Man. That's, so many that's, times as Christians, I think we do that. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we're falling into that same seductive plan. I mean, God has it all figured out. He runs everything, heaven and earth, better than we do. Uh-huh. Uh, all we got to do is get ourselves out of the way and let him do what we can't do. Right. And trust him. But that's right. Every time we figure we're going to help God out. No. Well, that's we're like, doing the same thing Judas did, right? Yeah, with with these bankers and and the Satanists and the witches and everything, they think that they're going to get some higher status when this life is over with and a new life starts or whatever. No, that's not what's going to happen because we were even them. They're in their bodily form. We're formed in God's image. Okay. Yeah. And Satan hates what was formed in God's image, mm-hmm. and he has used up plenty of people and then dropped them. And they've all, all committed suicide, just about basically all of them, because they made a deal with them and they thought everything was hopeless. But um, and that's what he does. He, he'll use people until he doesn't need them anymore and he casts them away. And if people would just realize that, you know, yeah, you might have all the riches in the world that you need right now. You might have all the money, good health and everything else. But um, if you're serving him or you're you're serving an antichrist spirit. You you don't have to say that you're serving Satan and stuff, but you can still be serving him. Um, a lot of the world does that. Uh, but you know you're gonna you're gonna live under your false philosophy or whatever it is until the day that um, he no longer needs you, and then you're gonna realize he no longer needs you, and that you've served um, you you've lived your life in vain, basically. And you're going to realize you're worth nothing. And hopefully at that time, you will have had some knowledge of the Lord God of Israel, how much he loves you and that he died for you and you'll come to faith in him. But many do not do that, unfortunately. All these Hollywood people that are foaming at the mouth at Trump right now, um, you know, they think that someday that they're going to they're going to have power and wealth, uh, if not in this life and the next one. I got news for him. Uh-uh. No, you're not. You're Satan, Satan is Satan is the anti-God. I mean, God says, look, I'm not going to give you everything you think you need or what you want. I'm going to get you what you need when you need it. 
Right. Now, Satan, he says, I'm going to give you more than you asked for and never what you needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's what happens. He, you know, you, you ask, you know, okay, you'll get a whole lot more than you ever asked for. And none of it's going to be what you needed. That's right. It's going to be to your own destruction. <laughs> I don't know to kind of end this on a funny note. Um, there was a, a cartoon and you probably saw it, Jim, and maybe you too, Eric, I think we're friends on Facebook, but, um, and it had, what if Jesus were to feed the multitudes today? And they're standing there holding the fish and the bread. Yeah, and the one, right. guy's go, the one guy's going, does that fish have mercury in it? And the other right. guy's going, I'm gluting free. I hope that bread's gluten free. <laughs> uh, yep. That's, that's great. <laughs> There's but, a guy, I, I just uh, friended him, and uh, I can't remember his name now, but Oh my gosh, this guy, he's a Christian. What a sense of humor he's got. He has got so many memes. I, I'm going to borrow half of them and post them on mine. They're just hilarious. Um, he's, uh, he's in music ministry, but, uh, what a sense of humor this guy has. He's got some real gems, man. Now, some of them I don't think are originals of his, but he collects them and he makes an effort to collect them. And I'm, sure. I already warned him. I said, man, I'm going to post half of these on mine. I'll just put them out once, once in a while, but these are, these need to be shared, man. They're precious. They're good. <laughs> and you know what? In, in, in this day and age, we need to laugh every once in a while. Yes. You know? It's we do. Medicine. It's we do. part of what word says, you know? Yeah, it is. And it's, yeah. we, 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 you know, I work in a very hostile environment, um, taking care of some very wicked people, actually. Not all of them are that way, but uh, quite a few of them are. And, um, you know, it comes to the point. Uh, two days go by, everything's fine. The other two days, you know, that's starting to wear on you, and you have to find an outlet. And one of those outlets is humor. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll, we'll look at the funny papers and see how, you know, one of the cartoons kind of relates to either our work or our bosses or something like that, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'll just we'll just sit around sometimes and laugh and and. And you wouldn't believe, well, you would believe, I, I'm not going to say that, but some people might not believe that, um, you know, when, when you walk out of that station and you're heading back out into that population again, you know, you can walk out and uh, if somebody does something that offends you or, or gets you mad or, or they're trying to do that or something, um, you just think back on that cartoon. It just kind of makes you laugh. And then uh, that causes all different kinds of things. You know, are you laughing at me? No, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just laughing at something I just saw. Anyway, but anyway, um, so we, we all need that. We all need that. We need, um, I don't think we hold each other up in prayer um, enough. I I was talking with my mom the other day. Now, bear in mind, I haven't seen my mom in seven years, and she's going to be eight. She's 81, I think, now, and um, hopefully I'll get to see her soon. Because, uh, you know, it may be the last time I see her, but uh, she was telling me about some of her problems that, you know, health wise and stuff like that. And I was like, my goodness, I never realized things were like that. You know, I, I says, we need to pray right now, you know, and, and I call her on my way to work because she lives on the East Coast and I'm here. And so it's a three hour difference. And and I prayed for her and I and I said, I'm so, you know, I'm sorry I've been such a bad son, I said, because, you know, I could, we could have been praying all these phone calls that we've had. You know, I call her three times a week, you right. know, yeah. on the way to work. We could have been praying about these things, and we never prayed. You know, you had to ask me to pray for you. And, man, talk about feeling shame. 
you know, that yeah. I, I couldn't even, I can remember other people pray for them, but I can't remember my own mother to pray for her. And my goodness, I just, I asked her to forgive me and, you know, I'm her son, you know, so she forgave me, but, um, still, you know, we need to pray for one another a lot more often, you know, you and me and Eric, but also, you know, uh, Eric, your family, you for your family, me for my family, Jim for your family. And, and we need to share too when there's needs. I know that, that we do that all three of us quite often, you know, we'll, we'll share a need and we will pray for one another, but everybody listening to this needs to do that too. You know, and I think that a lot of the problems that are arising in this country is that we we've lost a sense of the need to pray. You know, the marriages are breaking up because people are becoming selfish because they don't want to pray for one another. Um, Kids are rebelling. You know, how, how many people pray for their kids when they rebel or do they just get mad? You know, um, you know, the, the uncle that comes at Thanksgiving that nobody likes, you know, well, did you pray for him? You know, maybe, maybe he'd change if you'd pray for him, you know, and it's, (laughs) it's, it's just something that, you know, God has given us a tool, you know, and it's like we stumble around in the kitchen looking for a butter knife when he's given us a tool chest full of screwdrivers. You know, and it's it's like get, go to that tool chest, that prayer tool chest and, and get out the prayer and start praying. You know, don't don't stumble and try to use a butter knife to, to put a screw in a, into a slot or whatever. You know, um, use the right tools that God's given us. And, Jim, that goes into what you were talking about earlier about determination and about the um, about what happened with with your, you, you know, you and your son earlier today. You know, you, you got to want to, you have to want to use the, the tools that, that God has given us to, to be able to be effective in the kingdom or else, you know, we're, we're going to be walking through a dark room um, and kicking the furniture and hurting our shins and our toes and everything else. And, uh, while the, all the time we had a light, you know, so I'll get off my soapbox. No, it's, it's all good. It's, you know, that's the thing. I think sometimes with our most immediate family, we, I know I, I find this myself. I, I can counsel. Oh, I can't use that word anymore. I, I have to find a new tactical advise. way of advice. Advice. I, yeah. I can advise. Yeah. I can advise many others all over the world and to actually work with my own children, my own family, you know, in, in, uh, the inner healing or, or the process or whatever, you know, because I'm so more intimately related or connected. Um, I, but I need to be doing that. And if I'm not, then, you know, it's, it's, I think there's a certain, almost like a shield put up. Right. And I think we do that, whether it be just simply praying for one another or, you know, counseling or whatever it might be, we do it for everyone else, but we don't do it for, those that are closest to us and yet that's where we need to be doing it even more for those that are closest to us so it, it's something that i think it's natural but we have to get over the natural to walk into more of the supernatural in that area but it seems to be i mean i think i'm right on this i i think across the board all of us have that same effect with those that are the most intimate of, of our members of our family we actually fail to get that intimate with them before the Lord. Right. I agree. I agree with that, Jim. Uh, 
I think it's easy to kind of take for granted your own um, yeah. personal loved ones. I I don't know if it's just a natural, not a natural, but it's just a thing of the condition that we live in that uh, we do that versus, you know, w- the willingness to help others that are not necessarily our immediate family, but willing to help those that, uh, you know, are closest to you. Right. Well, I know, you know, within, within three different friends of mine, uh, three different situations, I've had to tell them, look, you've, you, you've been in mom and dad mode with your children all these years. They've heard everything that you're concerned with. And you're, you're anxious. You, you want to see them, you know, not be seduced by the enemy or, or whatever. I said, but you know what? One thing that we've all failed to do, get out of the mom and dad mode. Right. Start practicing what you're telling them. They've heard everything, theologically, scripturally. They've heard it all. Don't keep parroting and repeating this stuff. They just they got a little off switch. They turn you off. They're not listening. They need to see you practicing your faith. Right. If you say trust God, trust God, believe God, start believing and trusting Him yourself. Walk in the peace that passes all understanding. Let them see that you're no longer anxious for them, but you're going to start confessing with your mouth. God's going to work it through. He started to work in you. I'm praying for you. I'm believing you. God is going to be faithful. So I'm, I'm not going to hammer you on anything anymore. I'm just going to believe that God is going to work. When they start seeing that peace in you, that you start living what you've been telling, it's going to change everything. That's right. All of a sudden, they're going to say, why is, my gosh, they've never been patient with me before. And now they're, they're listening to me for the first, I feel like they're finally listening to me. They're, they're not preaching to me anymore. My gosh, they got a piece, you know, and all of a sudden they're going to want to know what's changed with you. Yeah. Well, children are, uh, they, uh, they recognize hypocrisy very oh, yeah. well. Yeah. Yep. So if you're, you're telling them one thing, but not, uh, showing them as well, um, or doing the opposite, you know, it's going to be one in one ear and out the other. So. You know, when I was working with my son, David, and I, he was the first one that I started doing inner healing with, um, I was still in parent mode. And he's going, Dad, why, you know, would you, would you come off that way with anyone else? And I go, oh, my God, son, I'm sorry. You're right. I wouldn't say that to anyone else. I'm acting like a worried dad concerned about his son. I'm sorry, son. I'm not going to do that ever again. You made me aware of something that I'm doing that's wrong. I would never say what I just told you to anyone else in a counseling. I got to start treating you like I treat everyone else in counseling. I got to detach this daddy maternal instinct. I got to, that's got to die. That ends. I got to treat you the way I treat everyone else or it's not going to work. Man, I got it. You know, but I mean, I, so it's a natural thing. We all do it. And that's where we got to start entering into the rest of God that, you know, we got to get out of that parental worrying, preaching and start living what we've been practicing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see pumpkins too, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is pumpkin time. It is. <laughs> I don't know. It was, you know, the flow was going so nice yeah. and has gone so nice with the, um, with the conversation, I didn't want it to end, but I know that you guys have to get up sometime tomorrow. And uh, Jim, it's uh, 11:30 out there, and Eric, it's 10:30 yeah. for you, and you yep. got to go to work. You I do. Family to feed, and and um, 
I'm going to sleep in tomorrow. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know what? You guys get to do it on the weekends. So um, I would much rather trade places. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> my my idea of sleeping in is 7 o'clock. That would even be nice. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would be next, next week, I'm going to do what Eric did. I'm going to be on a um, another show for the first hour. But then after that hour is done, I'm, I'll, you know, I'll let you know to call me in. So okay. you can call me in like you did with Eric. And because yep. I really, I really want to hear some of what Bob says. We've known Bob Britton for, my gosh, I don't know, over 10 years or so, I think better. Yeah. Isn't it? Been around 10 years, I think. He, uh, he lives up in Vancouver about a couple hours from here. He came down one day, especially just to bring me, um, a whole set of books on counseling, Christian counseling. Oh, and we have it in our libraries. Uh, now it's Christian advising, but um, you know. I wonder if he's so. anywhere near Gordy. Uh, well, he's he's, he's at the bottom of Washington State. He'd have to go up to a, you know, drive up through Washington oh, yeah. across the yeah. border. But he's a lot closer than I am. Mm. So, but uh, anyway, um, guys, I just want to thank you, Eric. I'm so glad that you came back in. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 I did my best to make it. So <laughs> you did yeah, a good job, cool, bud. You did. Yep. So, folks, uh, until we meet again next week with Bob Britton, uh, have a great week. Uh, pray that you uh, were blessed by this show. And I know you're going to be blessed by next week's show. And and uh, we just we just thank you for being loyal listeners and just uh, and putting up with us because sometimes we come on just a tad late. Uh, or even 15 minutes sometimes. Uh, hi, Windsong. <laughs> Thank you for uh, for being here in the uh, in the chat room, and uh, the Lord bless you, Windsong. And um, we will uh, we will talk to you next week. So, folks, um, have a great week. Uh, you guys have a wonderful week yourselves, and um, we, I will talk to you both soon. Okay. All right, man. God bless you guys. See you next week. Amen. Adios. Adios. All right.